This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. Galesburg police are investigating a robbery at the Dairy Queen on Grand Avenue. Police say two men wearing masks and gloves entered the restaurant around 9 on Thursday night. One suspect put a bag on the counter, and an employee saw the barrel of a gun sticking out of a bag. The suspects took an undisclosed amount of cash from the register and departed. Anyone with information is asked to call the Galesburg Police Department or Galesburg Area Crime Stoppers. Illinois lawmakers will try again today to approve the final rules governing the state's assault weapons ban. Illinois Public Radio's Alex Stegman reports. The law took effect on January 1st, and if you owned an assault weapon before that, you must register it online with the Illinois State Police. But the administrative rules that guide how the law is executed haven't been approved yet. The temporary rules expire in February. Democratic State Senator Bill Cunningham says, for example, there are still open questions surrounding orders of protection. What happens if, say, the order of protection goes away? There's no subsequent charge of domestic violence, or there is, and the individual is acquitted. How do they get that weapon back? Today is also the first day of the spring session, but it's an election year, so don't expect major action until after the March 19th primary. I'm Alex Dagman. Travel was not recommended over the weekend in Iowa as blizzard warnings blanketed the state. Even so, first responders took to the streets to help stranded motorists, including Sioux City Police Officer Rick Ginneman, who did welfare checks and pulled people out of snowbanks. It is kind of the worst time of the year for Iowa weather, and people just need to be really careful and make good decisions about when to drive. Republicans on an Iowa House panel advanced a bill that would require new law enforcement officers in the state to be U.S. citizens. Some non-citizens are allowed to serve in the U.S. military, but Republican Representative Stephen Holt says he thinks law enforcement is different because police can arrest people. The issue for me is the fundamental constitutional question of whether someone who is not a citizen of the United States should have arrest powers over citizens of the United States. And my answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, And so that is why I put this bill forward. No direct opposition to the bill was expressed at hearing, but Democratic Representative Lindsey James of Dubuque questioned if this would worsen the workforce shortage in law enforcement. She also says Iowa should consider a pathway to citizenship program for police similar to the Iowa National Guards. There's a new push for federal financial help for Chicago and Milwaukee to defray costs from hosting the national political conventions this summer. Illinois Public Radio's Dave McKinney has the story. The bipartisan group making its funding pitch to Congress includes every Democratic member of Illinois' congressional delegation and Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. They want $75 million for Chicago and another $75 million for Milwaukee to defray security costs as host cities for the Democratic and Republican conventions, respectively. The new letter to Congress's budget writing committees was released by Chicago Congressman Mike Quigley. It marks at least the third time representatives from each state have sought more money, and so far to no avail. Illinois Republicans Darren LaHood, Mary Miller, and Mike Bost withheld their names from the latest letter. This is Dave McKinney. 
Iowa National Guard Adjutant General Stephen Osborne gave his first condition of the Guard address to the legislature. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sestarek tells us what he had to say. Osborne started leading the Iowa National Guard last March. He told lawmakers he's directed changes at the Iowa National Guard Joint Force Headquarters that he calls the greatest transformation since its inception. He says there's a new focus on a balanced Army and air approach, and he's appointed a full-time director of the Joint Staff for the first time. This initiative is a reorganization that optimizes organizational efficiencies, leverages our human capital, and brings the Army National Guard and the Air National Guard into a more cohesive, joint team without growing our force structure. He says this also helps Army staff spend more time on deployable units and their missions. Osborne says the Iowa National Guard has also added more staff to help service members with violence and sexual assault prevention, as well as victim advocacy services. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. In late 2021, a coalition of some of the country's top pediatricians declared the youth mental health crisis a national emergency. In today's feature, Illinois Public Radio's Peter Medlin focuses on the struggle for kids to access inpatient mental health care. As a warning to listeners, this story talks about suicide. So if you or someone you know may be considering suicide, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Na is 14 years old, and she loves science and is a talented artist. She's creative and loves gaming, too. And over the past few years, she's also had a number of severe mental health challenges. She's been hospitalized and ultimately landed in an inpatient facility in another state, hundreds of miles from her home. Her mom is Brittany Cotton of Rockford. It's a terrifying time to try to get help and more and more children Advocates say that the number of kids requiring mental health services has skyrocketed with the pandemic. In Rockford, at the nonprofit Marshmallows Hope, for example, they currently have nearly 170 kids receiving services. And 90% of those children have attempted suicide. But people like Laura Kane, the founder of Marshmallows Hope, which provides youth mental health counseling and mentorship, says that while the need has increased, the number of community support services has not. There have been a few improvements, but overall, Kane sees the Northern Illinois community in worse shape now than before the pandemic, especially when it comes to inpatient services. That's the number one need. We have nowhere for kids in our local community to go to an inpatient hospital stay if they're in high crisis like that. Mercy Health closed their inpatient mental health unit at Javon Bay Hospital in Rockford. Medicaid doesn't often cover inpatient youth mental health services unless the child has a co-occurring substance use disorder. Rosecrans is a behavioral health treatment center in Rockford, and they used to have funding to help provide youth inpatient care without substance use. Sadie Cobio is the assistant administrator of community behavioral health services at Rosecrans, and she says a change in the center's funding source has made that more complicated. So our residential services are specific to primary substance use, which honestly goes back to like the funding source. So Rosecrans is happy to provide the service for either. Um, From a funding perspective, they really have to be primary substance use. Kane at Marshmallows Hope says there also just aren't enough beds at hospitals like Swedish American either. So when a child is in crisis and needs to be hospitalized, even when they have a plan and the means, sometimes there's nowhere to send them. Amber Shepard is the engagement specialist with the Rockford Mobile Crisis Response Team, part of the National Youth Advocate Program. And she agrees with that. We don't have really anywhere to send them to because 
resources are, are so limited. Brittany Cotton says her daughter Na has been turned away because of a lack of beds. And it nearly happened again this year when she needed to be hospitalized because of her mental health. We've been told that beds were completely full in like four different hospitals on Sushi American Woodchuck. They were always full, always full. Um, so we got lucky this year. We got lucky um, to get her in because every other year they were completely full. Her daughter was in the hospital for about two weeks. And after she was released, Cotton knew that she needed the full-time support of a residential center. And without inpatient services available locally, Cotton, like so many, was forced to explore sending her daughter to an out-of-state facility. But to do that, she not only needed to figure out which one she could pay for and which was the best equipped to handle her daughter and was in a place that she felt somewhat comfortable with, they also had to deal with even more wait lists. Once again, it took months. And trying to work out which facility might work for your child's needs, it's really hard. In general, Cotton says maneuvering between services and making sure everyone knows the medications her daughter's on and what the diagnoses are, it's a huge burden on parents and caregivers. And she says making sure agencies, insurance companies, and hospitals have the right documents can feel like a full-time job in and of itself. And it's on top of the stress and worry about her daughter's well-being. As a parent, you will have to do paperwork as if you're going to be facing a criminal case. I swear you do. And after months of waiting and after time in the hospital, she finally got Na into a residential center a few months ago. It's in Missouri hours away from her family and her friends. We get a 10-minute conversation at night, nightly, if I'm lucky. And it hasn't been a great experience, but it is round-the-clock support. And Cotton says they've been told now I'll be home in six months, but she's not sure. And when she does get back, she knows her daughter will still need support. She's still just a teenager. And while she's grateful for the community organizations she's found during this journey, she thinks more people should know about what services are available. And Cotton says there needs to be a lot more investment in youth mental health resources for both kids and their families. Because whether that investment comes or not, the youth mental health crisis isn't ending anytime soon. I'm Peter Medlin. In the weather for our listening area for today, there is a wind chill warning, which remains in effect until noon today. After that, a wind chill advisory will be put in place from noon today until 9 tomorrow morning. Patchy blowing snow is expected after 9 this morning, and it should be sunny and cold with a high around 5 degrees above zero. Wind chill values could be as low as 30 degrees below zero. West winds 10 to 15 miles an hour could gust as high as 25 miles an hour at times. For tonight, it should be clear with a temperature around 7 degrees, and the wind chill values will be as low as 15 degrees below zero. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.